we, the theme for the month is the thrill of hope. And, uh, you know, it's a, that's a wonderful phrase considering uh, when you concern yourself with hope because uh, that's exactly what hope is. It's, it's thrilling. And, you know, we get that, the thrill of hope is from that song, uh, Oh Holy Night, that, you know, you, you hear it every Christmas pretty much. And it's a wonderful, beautiful song. And there's a line there that says, the thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. The weary world rejoiced from the thrill of hope that was the birth of Jesus 2,000 years ago. Amen. He brought hope into the world 2,000 years ago, and he has still given us hope today. He is our hope. And uh, I, I, wanna, I started this message last week, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish it today. And if you weren't here last week, don't worry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quickly recap uh, the message from last week uh, just, to, just to bring you up to speed. And also, if you were here last week and, and you fell asleep while I was preaching, this will remind you or help you know what, what was said last week too. So. Uh, but I, I do want to start by sharing a verse, that, which was my, my anchor verse last week and, and this week as well. And it's in Romans 15, verse 13. It says, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What a wonderful verse, like a God of hope. That is who our God is, amen? He's not a God of judgment. He's not a God of, eh, maybe, sort of, I'll get to you when I get to you. He is the God of hope. He is the one that gives us that expectation. And uh, Kendra shared in her video, uh, you know, what the Webster's Dictionary definition is of hope. But, uh, but I, I found a definition of hope I like even better. And it says, uh, it says that it's an expectancy that cannot be moved by circumstances or what the eyes see because an unseen God is seen in his faithfulness. How powerful is that? Expectancy that cannot be moved by circumstances or what the eyes see because our faith, our, our hope is based on a God that is unseen and on his faithfulness. So that's a beautiful thing for us as believers that we, our hope is not based on what we can see. In fact, the Bible says that, that hope that is seen is not hope at all because you don't have to hope for what you already have, amen? So we have hope in what is unseen because of who God is. And so some of us would say, you know, well, I can't see God. I don't, I don't see him working in my life, but we can know that just because he's not seen doesn't mean he isn't working. He's working in each one of our lives. And you know, Jesus's birth that we celebrate this, this month every year is, is such a powerful time in history. Uh, for us as believers, obviously it's the cornerstone of our faith. The fact that, uh, that our God came to this earth to live with us and to, uh, and to pay the ultimate price for our sins, amen? And, uh, but, but even for those that, that don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, the Christmas season is a wonderful season because one of the descriptive words of Christmas is that it brings hope. It brings hope to all of us. And, you know, I, I, I think back, we, I read the Christmas story to my kids every Christmas morning. Um, we get up early. Uh, like Pastor said, we do not get to sleep in. Uh, we're up early and we, we sit down and we do the Christmas story or we or read through Luke, the, the account of Jesus's birth and and uh, it's funny because when we read through it, it's so easy to just kind of almost, almost only have to read it, you know, because we have it memorized. If you've been in church forever, you know that, uh, you know this passage so well, we can say it without even thinking about it. But, but I want to read a portion of it because I want to, I want to bring something to light that's in this verse. It's in Luke 2, verses 8 through 11. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. 
Now, now the, the part of that, that verse that's, that, I, that just jumps out at me is where it says that he brings uh, great joy for all the people. You know, it's easy for me when I read this story, it's easy for me to kind of go in my mind and kind of picture what it was like back then. You know, the angels, uh, the angel coming to the shepherds and talking to them. And, you know, if you, if you have been in church for a long time, you've seen Tivities, you've seen the Christmas story acted out with kids on a stage in church so many times. And it's easy for our mind to just kind of go to that place. But, but what's so wonderful about this passage is that it's not just for those shepherds. It wasn't just for those people that were alive 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born. It is for all the people. Jesus' birth brought hope to every single person that would ever live and walk this earth. And that is some exciting news for us today because we know that nobody, even though it was 2,000 years ago that it happened, it's just as powerful and effective today. Amen? And so we can rejoice in that and know that our hope is in him. And it's, it's, not, some, it's not just some story that we act out. It's actual truth and it's life to those of us that will receive it. So what I want to do is I want to go through the, the, the four things that I said hope is last week, and then I'm going to finish with three more today, okay? So I had seven things that I felt like the Lord gave me that hope is. And I had four last week. We're going to do three this week. And I'm going to go quickly through those four just to bring you up to speed. The first one is that hope is found in Jesus, okay? Now, that obviously, that, that, that could be a statement of the obvious, but, uh, but it's important that we know that hope, the hope that we're talking about at New Hope this month, the hope that we talk about as believers is not just a, an optimism. It's not just a, oh, I hope I get it. I hope I get that job I want. Oh, I hope that, uh, uh, that the bank gives me that loan so I can buy that house. Um, I hope that uh, everything works out well for me. It's not just an optimism. It's not just trying to have a positive mental attitude. The hope that we are talking about is actually found in Jesus. It's actually in him. It's a hope that he gives us. It's a gift that he gives us. In fact, that first verse I shared in Romans uh, explains it. It says, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's, this is not just a hope that, that we just have to come up with on our, on our own. It's a hope that comes from God. So that, that's the first thing we need to know because some of us have been disappointed with God. And it's been hard for us to actually put our hope in him, to really trust him. And what we're doing is we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot when we don't trust him because, because the hope that he gives us is only there as we put our trust in him. And we can trust him, even though some of us have been disappointed because things haven't worked out the way we wanted them to maybe. It doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that we could put our hope in him because of the second thing that hope is, which is that belief is that the, the best is yet to come. Excuse me. We believe that the best is yet to come as believers. It's, it's saying that maybe their situation isn't the way you want it right now. Maybe it's, maybe it's not working out the way you thought it would, but it's okay because first of all, Romans eight twenty eight says that God works for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose, right? He works the good in every situation, all situations, the Bible says. Everybody say all situations. Every situation, God works the good in our life. So what I said last week and, and what I've said before is that if your situation is not good, that means that God's not done. Amen? We can hang our hat on that. If the situation is not good, now God's not done. Now, that doesn't necessarily say it's going to work out exactly the way you want it to in every time. But, it, but God's working for the good for us in these situations. And we can believe that no matter what we're going through, the best is yet to come. There's no question about it. The best is yet to come for us. And really, in the very end, the best is, is out there. Because when we're done on this earth, how many of you know the next, the next life is going to be a lot better than this one? 
Amen. No matter how good this one is, the next life is going to so far exceed what we live on this earth that we have, some, we have a hope to look forward to in that. In fact, Colossians says, I'm sorry, Corinthians says that if, if our hope in Jesus is only for this life, we are to be pitied more than anybody. We have hope in Jesus, but it's not just for this earth because this earth doesn't compare to the glory where we're going to experience after this earth. Amen. So the best is yet to come for us. The third one then was that hope is elusive. And I know sometimes we don't want to hear that, but uh, Hebrews ten twenty three says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. So this implies to me that hope is something that we have to hold on to. It says, hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Because, you know, the enemy is always trying to steal our hope. You know, because hope's a powerful thing. The enemy knows that. If we have hope, we are powerful people. But just as much as hope is powerful, so is despair and hopelessness. Those are just as powerful. So the enemy is trying to take our hope from us to bring in the despair and the hopelessness in our life. And so Hebrews is telling us we have to hold unswervingly. We have to have a death grip on hope in our lives. We have to be very diligent to make sure that we don't allow the despair and the hopelessness to be entertained and come into our life and take root. You know, David said in the Psalms, he, he talks to himself. He talks to his own soul. He says, why are you so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. I mean, in a cursory reading of that, it almost sounds funny. Like he's kind of yelling at himself. It's almost like he's looking in a mirror, but, and he may have been, but he was going through some stuff at that time. Yet he was telling himself, why are you so downcast? Oh, my soul, stop it. (laughs) Sometimes we need to tell ourselves that just stop it. You know, if you don't have a mirror at home, go get one and yell at yourself every once in a while. That might be good for you. (laughs) It's better than yelling at other people, right? But, but we have to convince ourselves, we have to hold unswervingly, we have to tell ourselves, we have to preach to ourselves sometimes to, to, to hold on to that hope. We have to get alone with ourselves and with God and say, okay, I'm not going to allow this hopelessness, despair, pessimism, uh, bitterness. I'm not going to allow this to settle in because I know that the truth of God is that I can hope in him no matter what. And I can trust him. So, but hope can be elusive. So we have to be sure that we stick to it. And then the last one from last week was that it's our right. Hope is our right. You know you have a right to have hope in your life. Some of you may say, well, I don't really deserve hope. Yes, you do. Especially if you are a believer, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you deserve to have hope. It's something that Jesus bought and paid for for you. In fact, um, in uh, Romans 5, 1 and 2, I lost my place for a second. It says, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. And then the end of that verse, it says, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So we can brag in the fact that we have hope in God. It's not our own. It's a hope that God gives us. It's a hope we have in him because of the fact that we have been justified through our faith in him. So if you have faith in God, you, can, you have a right to have hope. Just like you have a right to salvation if you put your trust in him, you also have a right to have hope in your life. And so we can claim that. We can hang on to it and we can know that it's ours to have. And no one can steal that from you. No matter what's happened in your life, no matter what mistakes you've made, you deserve to have hope. Amen? Okay, so that's that's recapping up last week. And I want to jump right into this week because I have a few more that I want to give you, a few more things that I think hope is. And the first one is that hope is our anchor. And I love this. I love this analogy. And uh, I think it's really powerful talking about what hope is in our lives. It's from Hebrews 6, verses 18 and 19. It says that God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, 
we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters, in, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. That says it's an anchor for our soul. That's a wonderful, wonderful analogy because, you know, an, our soul is basically made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. So what, it's, what the writer of Hebrews is saying here is that hope is an anchor for our emotions. It means that hope can actually keep our emotions in check. How many of you know that sometimes our emotions can get the best of us? I, I didn't hear near enough people say amen because I know it's true. How many people know that our emotions can sometimes get the best of us? Yeah. We don't want to admit it, but it's true. We're, we are emotional people. Um, and, and that's okay because sometimes emotions can be a great thing. But if your emotions are, are not doing well, you can see a good situation and look at all the bad. You know, that's the person that wins the lottery and is frustrated because they're going to pay a ton of income tax. You know, our emotions can do a lot of things. But the Bible here says that hope is our anchor for our emotions. It's an anchor for our soul. And, uh, and there, there's a few different uh, characteristics of an anchor that I thought really applied well to this that I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, the first one is that when an anchor is in use, it's out of sight. I was saying earlier, some of you would say, you know, I can't see God. I can't see what he's doing in this situation. I've been praying and believing for something and I'm just not seeing it happen the way that, that I feel like it should happen or the way that I want it to happen or, or even what I think God wants it to happen. I'm not seeing it. And that's, and that's why we have to have that hope because what hope does in a time like that is, it, is uh, it's working in an area where we can't see it. You know, if, if you're in a boat and an anchor is in the boat with you, that anchor's worthless. It's just holding the boat down. And you don't need an anchor to hold the boat down. You need an anchor to hold the boat in place. So the only time an anchor is actually working is when it's in the water and it's out of sight. And when it's out of sight, it's working hard for you, right? It's working real hard. It's down there. It's in the, it's in the, in the muck and in the dirt and in the, the algae and all the things that are down there, but it's holding tight and it's working hard for you because that's what an anchor is designed to do. But if you can actually see it, it's not working. So that encourages me that, hey, even though I can't see what God's doing, I know he's my anchor. I know he's holding me. I know he's holding me fast. I know I can trust him. You have to trust an anchor that when it's in the water, it's doing what it's supposed to do. Sometimes we can't always trust a physical anchor because we don't know exactly how, how well it's rooted down or how well it's in the ground. But with God as our anchor, we have nothing to worry about. We know that there's nothing that can move him, amen? If he's anchoring us down, we're in good shape. The second thing is that it keeps the ship from getting wrecked. It keeps you from getting shipwrecked. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of wreck we talk about Pentecostal circles. That's a good kind of wreck, right? This is the kind of wreck where there's rocks on the, on the shore and if you go up against it, you're gonna be shipwrecked and probably die or at least have something really bad happen, have to get in a little lifeboat and, and live on an island for the next 20 years. But this, but what an anchor does, it keeps us from getting wrecked. So, so an, an anchor doesn't necessarily keep us from seeing. We can still see the potential danger out there. We can still see the stuff that if we go up against, it will destroy us or it'll give us a lot of problems, but it keeps us from getting to that point. It holds us fast. It keeps us from getting uh, completely shipwrecked. And you know, the rougher the water is in a situation like that, the more you need that anchor. You know, if the water's rough, as long as you got the anchor, it, you might have to float a little bit with the waves. It may get rocky. It may swing you around a little bit. You might get a little seasick, but that's a lot better than actually getting dashed up against the rocks. Amen. And that's what, that's what our hope in Jesus, that's what, when he's an anchor, when I say he's an anchor, that's what he's doing for us. And then thirdly, uh, it, the anchor does what you are powerless to do on your own. 
The anchor does what you are powerless to do on your own. There is no way, no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you paddle by hand, you're not gonna be able to hold that boat where it needs to be safe off the, off the shore or up against the rocks on your own. You need a power that can help you. And this is such a beautiful thing because we don't have to try to have hope on our own, amen? There's an actual power that God gives, that he, he puts in us to give us his hope so that we can deal with the situations that come up in life. And you know, the, the thing about hope is that your life doesn't have to be perfect. You know, your life doesn't have to be exactly the way you want it for you to still have hope, amen? Just because things aren't well with your life doesn't mean they can't be well with your soul. I'll say it again, just because things aren't well with your life doesn't mean they, don't, they can't be well with your soul. Your soul is anchored by the hope that Jesus gives us. And we can know that, that whatever situation we're in, that he's holding us, that his, when he's the anchor, he holds firm. And we can trust in that. Uh, there's a verse in Psalm 62 and verse five. It says, yes, my soul find rest in God. My hope comes from him. We can have rest in the midst of the storm. Rest in the storm. Some of us, some of you church, some of you need that really badly. Some of you are in a storm and you've, maybe you've asked the Lord to take that storm and calm the seas and he hasn't done it necessarily the way you want it right now. But I promise you, he will give you rest in the storm as we trust him. We can find our rest in him and he will strengthen us in that. Uh, Isaiah 40 verse 31, one of, one of the most popular verses in all the Bible. It says that those that hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary and they will walk and not faint. So we use that verse a lot, but it's easy to, forget, to look over the fact that, that the strength that the Lord gives us for us to soar on wings like eagles, it's those that put their hope in him. We have to put our hope in him. And it's a beautiful thing because it's almost like God's given us an out. Like, listen, you don't have to try to figure this out on your own. You can hope in me and trust in me. I will be your anchor. Okay, and then the, the second thing that hope is, actually the sixth thing, if you're going by last week and this week, that hope is our gift to the world. You guys ever think about the fact that, that the hope that God has put in you is a gift that we are called to give to the world? He, he expects that from us. He doesn't just give us hope so that we can have hope and sit and be cozy and nice and warm and fluffy. He gives us hope because there's a whole world out there that really needs it badly, Amen. There is a world that needs it really badly. Have you ever bought a gift for somebody at Christmas and uh, after you bought it, you, you realized you loved it so much that you actually didn't give that gift to the person? I see you. Or if you did give it, you like almost resented them for when you gave it to them because you wanted it so badly or you, you almost got jealous as they opened it. It's probably, it's happened to most of us. I can't, I don't think I've ever done that, but I probably have. But you know, that, that, that's the idea that we have this gift that, that God has given us. We have this wonderful gift of hope. To not share it, to not give it to others is directly contrary to God's heart for why he gave us hope. You know, God blessed Abraham, remember back in, way back in Genesis when he was, uh, when he was making a nation out of Abraham. He said that he was gonna bless Abraham to be a blessing. Now we, you know, there's lots of aspects to the blessing of Abraham that, that, that God's talking about there, but, 
but it applies in every area of our life. There's nothing in our life that God gives us so that we can keep it. Nothing. Everything he gives us is so that we can share it. That's his heart for us is to share everything God gives us. And so hope is no different than anything else. We're expected to share our time, our resources, love, all those things. We're just, it's just as important that we share the hope that God has given us to the world because the world needs it so badly. And, you know, some of you may say, well, you know, I'm just, I just don't know that I have much to give. You know, I have so much going on in my life and, and we all do. And I, I can tell you this from experience. If you wait till you're perfect before you start you, uh, giving to others and, and being a blessing to others, you're going you're gonna to live your whole life and never be a blessing to anybody because there isn't a perfect person. God uses imperfect people every single day. The Bible is full of imperfect people. This stage has a very imperfect person on it right now talking to you. We are all imperfect, but God uses us because he fills us with his gifts. He fills us with his love and the hope that we can have, we can give it to other people. And to not give it is like buying a gift for someone and not giving it to them. And if any of you did do that, I'm sure you felt bad and eventually you gave it to him, I hope. If you, uh, if you, if you know what's good for you, right? So um, we have a gift that we are to give to the world. Uh, I was thinking of a, um, one, of the, one of the aspects of, of hope is that it's really contagious. You know, hope can be something, uh, it, it's, it's exemplified in the story of the birth of Jesus. You know, the, the shepherds were so excited and the Bible says that they were telling people and word was getting around quick. You know, it got to the magi, to the wise men, and uh, it even made it all the way to the king. The fact that this baby was born in a stable, you know, babies were born all the time, every day. But there was something special about this one that gave people hope. And because it gave them hope, they were spreading it. And word got around quickly. And it, you know, it didn't fall on good ears when, it fell, when King Herod found out about it. He tried to have him killed. But, but the fact of the matter is, when we have hope, we can be contagious to others. Other people want that hope. I know a lot of us think, you know, people don't want to hear our message. They don't want to know our message. We're just, you know, my, my faith is kind of private to me. Well, that, that's a lie from the enemy. Our faith is not a private thing. Our faith was given to us. We have a measure of faith given to us so that we can share it with others. And uh, I, I was thinking of a, um, a situation that we, we had recently in our family. Um, you know, we, we had a dog a few years ago that we had for a couple of years. His name was Max. We loved him, but we, uh, we weren't great at potty training him. And he kind of ruined our carpet. And, uh, and then we got really busy with life too. And, and he just, it became one of those things where we felt like he could have a better life living with somebody else probably. And so we decided to, to give him away to a good family. Don't worry, we didn't euthanize him or anything. He was given to a good family. And, uh, and we, we were kind of relieved at the time because we thought, you know, it's just good. And, and it, was, it, was just, it was a burden sometimes. You know, I know dog lovers, you're, you're wanting to hit me right now, but it, it actually was a little bit of a burden. And we love dogs, I love dogs. And uh, so, you know, we were pretty convinced, Joy and I were pretty convinced, you know, if we do get another dog, it's gonna be a while. You know, we're gonna wait till we're in a different place in life. The kids are much older and, you know, whatever. And so, you know, I was pretty convinced, you know, we were good for now. And, uh, and lately our kids have been really beating that drum that they really want a dog. You know, we talk about, what do you want for Christmas? They're, they're, all, they're all saying, we want a dog, we want a dog. And, you know, Kenzie's birthday's in December. So we're like, what do you want for your birthday? I want a dog, I want a dog. And, and uh, you know, it wasn't even really having much effect on me because I, I just, I have a good memory about how it was before. So I said, no, no, that's not gonna, you can beg for it all day. But it was just like chipping away every day, every day, all the time. And very passionate, especially one of our children was very passionate about wanting an animal. And, uh, 
So a couple of weeks ago, Joy and I were driving to Atlanta and we, st- we were talking and I think we were talking about what to get the kids and stuff. And all of a sudden she kind of looked at me and she had this sheepish look on her face. I said, what's wrong? She said, well, I kind of want a dog. <laughs> and I, you know, first I thought I was in the twilight zone for a minute. And I, and I said, are you serious? And she said, yeah, you know, the kids have kind of like their excitement's kind of got me wanting a dog too. And, uh, um, I, I can't say my excitement, like it wasn't real contagious with me right away, but how many, of you know, you know, happy wife, happy life. So, um, needless to say a long story short, there's a little dog at our house right now. And, um, uh, let's just say that, uh, you know, our kids were so good at casting vision and being excited about the, con- the prospect of having a dog that it actually kind of wore us down. And I mean, I could, I'm kind of excited to have her. She's a, she's a cute little thing. And you know, we're, we're, we're enjoying her for now and we'll see what happens six months from now. Right. <laughs> um, but anyway, you know, it, it's just the, the matter. The, the fact is that my kids were passionate about it and because of their passion, it kind of infected us, you know, um, in, in a good way. And, and that's, that's what the gift of hope can do for us. If, if we are passionate about the hope God's given us, we have to believe it church. We have to believe it. We have to understand it. That's why we're talking about it. And I'm giving you scripture. We're, we're, we're wanting you to know that like hope is a good thing. There is a hope that God gives us. And if it's, if it's in us, we will spread it to the other people around us and we'll affect the world around us. Um, and then uh, there, there's, there's one more video that we did uh, that I'm gonna ask the, the tech team, they're gonna go ahead and cue it now. We're gonna show this video um, that, that, that is one other person's um, portrayal of how they, what they see hope as. So go ahead and play the video. four-letter word that brings peace to your inner being, you believing that what is around you doesn't determine your situation or contemplation of your future. So I ask you, what does hope look like in your life? Is hope just a feeling? Is it just a word that's, that's thrown around with no meaning behind the true meaning? Me seeing hope in my life for the first time, it's, it was an unfamiliar feeling, but yet intriguing. Me really seeing the true hope, the true desire, the true goal of this life. So I strive for hope because to me, hope is really putting my trust in the almighty. We look up to hope just in desperate times, times that look dark, times that look unpromising, times that look impossible. But as the descendants of Christ, our hope should be practiced and activated every day because we are the hope. One day we hope for this dying world to become revived and alive so that everyone hope is aligned up with heaven, our true goal in this life. We must look at hope as aspirations for the expectations of this life. We must speak hope to this hopeless world we live in full of sin and corruption. This nation founded on hope and prosperity is being silenced by greed and similarity. That's not who we are. We are hopeful people because we are people of hope. So brothers and sisters, let's be people of hope because when we hope we are believing in a better tomorrow, we're believing that a higher power that he has this under control. When we hope we are putting our trust in the one that we should have already put our trust in because in the end we win because we believed, we trusted and we had hope. So I ask again, 
what does hope look like in your life? Don't just use it for difficult times, use it for the joyous of times. It is what our very existence is based on. Our loving almighty God sent, sent his hope down from heaven, keeping us in mind, sending us his hope, we also can have hope. Our trust and our hope is in our King, which is Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, because he is the hope of the world. Be hope. Spoken word to me is really what my heart really looks like and really just exercising the gift that God has given me and really just putting that into effect. And I feel that spoken word like is really a talent that I can share the love of Christ through my words. And really like when I write things, like they basically come straight from the Lord and really like how I express it. Um, I just want that to really resonate with people and really just um, not in like a preachy way, but like really just expressing his love for them through the words that he gave me. Um, like where my heart was when I was writing this is really like my words really speaking to people and just say like God can intervene in impossible situations and make them possible. Amen. Amen. Well, that leads me to my last point, which is that hope is our message. As believers, hope is our message to the world. We have an epic message to give. And I'm not talking about like going down and standing on the street corner and preaching and beating people over, your, over the head with your Bible. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about bringing a message of hope. And there's many, many ways to do that. Uh, but, you know, in Peter, 1 Peter, uh, Peter said in chapter 3, verse 15, he says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Peter's telling us we, we should always be ready. We should be looking for opportunities to share the hope that we have in Jesus looking for the opportunities. We have more opportunities than we know and we miss them all the time. And that's, you know, that's fine. We're not here to, to condemn or beat anybody up for missing them. I miss them. But there's opportunities that come all the time for us to, to give hope to people. And uh, it, it could be an organized thing or it could just be just sometimes just as simple as a smile and giving a, a good tip to a waitress that maybe didn't deserve it. You know, there, there's so many ways to do that. And uh, I wanted to just share one or two of, of the the things that I've seen in this church are people that have given hope to people. There, you know, we if if you don't if you're not part of this church, uh, we have connect groups. We call them. It's our small group ministry, and we have groups that meet during the week, uh, throughout the week. Some here at the church, some in homes. And uh, one of our connect groups, the the leader, she actually works for an organization where she gets connected to uh, families with kids with disabilities. And uh, there, this year, there was two families in particular that were that, that were really struggling. They're, they're struggling with poverty. And uh, between the two families, they have 11 kids. And this, this connect group, they just, they had such a burden for it that uh, they, they took up donations and pooled everything together. And they were able to give Christmas presents, multiple presents to each, every one of those 11 kids. And on top of that, they took up enough that they were able to give $100 grocery cards, gift cards to both of the families so that they could buy food to have a nice Christmas dinner. 
that was them giving their message of hope to the, to the people that, they, that God has put in their life, whether it's in a, a work relationship or whether it's friendship relationship, for them to do that was them give, bringing a message of hope to those people. And I just think that's really powerful and really wonderful that they did that on their own just because of the love that God's put in their heart. They didn't have to you know, tell them, hey, you guys, if you don't know Jesus, you need to, you need to get saved today. You know? they, they just gave them, the, they showed them the love of Jesus. You know, we're to be the hands and feet of Jesus, not just the mouth. Amen. And, uh, and I, I think about, you know, adopt a block, the outreach we have where we go down, we go down to, uh, uh, one of the apartment complexes downtown, they go every other week and they just take stuff to these people. They're just going, they're just building relationship with them. They've, they become friends with them and, uh, and they're just pouring into their lives and giving to them and, and just wanting to love them and, and build that relationship and giving them hope. And I'm telling you, the people that live down there, they're, they're, they're ho- very hopeful when they know it's a Saturday that, that, that uh, the, the adoptive block people are coming down there to love on them, amen? And we have, you know, Ben Johnson is one of the men from this church that has dedicated his life to living in Lebanon and, uh, and ministering to the people there and bringing them hope. In fact, his organization is called 1040 Hope Missions because he knows that he has a message of hope to bring. You know, one of the things he's doing now, you know, there's Syrian refugees uh, if you watch the news, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're going everywhere right now because they're fleeing Syria so quickly because of the civil war there. And a lot of them are going into Lebanon. Uh, the, the population of Lebanon has grown by 30 or 40% in the last couple of years, just because of Syrian refugees. It's huge. And he's de- dedicating a lot of his resources and his energy and his time to ministering to these, ref- these Syrian refugees in these refugee camps and, uh, and just pouring out into them and loving on them because he knows that he has a message of hope to give them. And we have a message of hope, church. That, that is our message to give to people. And, and during this time, this Christmas season, is when so many people need it so desperately. They need hope. And, uh, and I would just encourage you, you know, we got a week before Christmas. And I would encourage you and challenge you to, to be hope to somebody this week. To let your light shine to somebody this week. It may be something as simple as as going and buying a, a $5 gift card for Starbucks and giving it to somebody that just needs somebody to, to, to love them and show them that, that you're willing to give them something without asking for anything in return. Amen? It doesn't have to be some grand gesture, but we, we as believers, we know, we have experienced the hope that Jesus gives us. And, and it's, our, it's our duty, I would even say, to, be, to share that hope to give it to, to people. It's, it, it would not be right for us to, to buy a gift and keep it for ourselves. And it's, it's not good for us to have a gift that we have and not give it and, and share it out with others. Um, the last verse I'd like to share with you today is in Ephesians 1, verse 18. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. That's my prayer for us, that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, that we would know the hope that he's called us to and we'd be able to share that hope. Amen. I'm gonna ask you to stand with me. We're gonna, we're gonna pray. I'm gonna ask the, the prayer leaders to come quickly. And if you need prayer for anything today, anything at all, and you, want, you would like to have prayer, please feel free to come up and come to these prayer leaders. If, they'd be happy to pray with you for anything that you may need. Or if you just want to find a place up here at the altar and pray on your own, we're not, uh, we're not in a hurry. We're not, even after we dismiss, you're welcome to stay up here at the altar as long as you need to. We just want you to be able to come and get along with God if you want to 
and spend some time with him. But, but I'd like to pray for us as a church and just, just pray that, that God would, that, that Ephesians 1.18 would be our prayer, that he would open the eyes of our heart so we would know that hope and that we would share that hope. Because that's what he's called us to. So I'm gonna ask you if you would, as the, as the musicians just play behind me, I'm, we're just gonna, just gonna pray. And I would just ask you to receive this prayer over you. So if you would pray with me, Father God, I thank you so much. I thank you for the hope that you give us. The hope that comes from you, that doesn't come from our own will, from our own emotions, our own optimism, but a hope that comes from you. I thank you for that today, God. And Lord, I thank you that it is for every believer, every one of us that would trust you, Lord. I know that there is hope for us. And God, I pray that the eyes of our hearts would be opened to see your hope in us and to also share that hope with others. God, I ask that you would help us to know your hope, Lord. We pray against despair. We pray against disappointment. We pray against hopelessness, against bitterness. Lord, we come against those things today in Jesus' name. And we pray that that your hope would flood our hearts, that it would overflow out of us, God. Lord, would you do what only you can do in each one of our hearts? Do what only you can do, God. For those of us in this room today, Lord, that need a, a spark, that, that, that need to sense that hope, to sense that, that anchor that's holding us, God. I pray you would do that, Lord. That you would show them, God. Lord, would you reveal your faithfulness to those that need it the most today, God. In the area of, of health and, and finances and family relationships, God, for those of us that need hope, God, would you pour that hope into our hearts? Would you overflow it out of us, Lord God? And help us, Father, to find people in our lives this week that we can pour hope into. Lord, we know that you bless us to be a blessing. Help us to pour hope into somebody this week as a testimony of what you've done in our lives, Lord. We know that the world is looking for hope. They're looking for it. And Lord, I know that you choose to use us to be that hope to them. Father, I pray you would use us this week. Use us, Lord. We are your vessels. Use our hands, use our feet, use our mouths for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen.